0: You're listening to KZOM, Oleander on Public Radio. 19 July 1931 The Revolt of the Machines by Nat Sachsener and Arthur L. Scott, Part 1 Something in the manifested mind of the master machines pours it into diabolical revolt against the authority of its human masters. For five thousand years, since that nine legendary figure Einstein wrote and taught in the far off means of time, the scientists endeavored to reduce life and the universe to terms of a mathematical formula, and they thought they had succeeded. Throughout the world, machines did the work of man, and the Aristotle, on nerfs of the machines, played in the soft idleness in their crystal and gold pleasure cities even the prolet hordes relieved of all but an hour or two per day of toil were content in their warrants content with the crumbs of their masters then the ice began to move down from the north and up from the south slowly inexorably the jaws of the great vice closed till all that was left of the wide empire of man was a narrow belt about the equator everywhere else was a fast tumbled waste of cold and glaring whiteness a frozen desert in the narrow habitable belt were compacted the teeming millions of earth's people in spite of the best efforts of the scientists among them the crowding together of the myriads of earth's inhabitants brought in its train an inevitable plagues of famine and disease even with the most intensive methods of cultivation even with the synthetic food factories running day and night There could not be produced enough to sustain life in the hordes of prolats, and with the lowering of resistance and the lack of sufficient sanitary arrangement, disease began to spread with ever-increasing rapidity and virulence. The aristos trembled, for they were few and the prolats many. Already were rising loud and dishevelled orators inciting the millions to rise against their masters. The aristos were few, but they were not helpless in the blackness of a moonless clouded night there was a whispering of many wings and from dark shapes that loom against the dark sky great beams swept over the tented fields where the pearlets lay huddled and sleeping and when the red sun circled the ice chained earth he found in his path heaps of dust where on his last journey he had warmed the swarming millions the slave, thus ruthlessly destroyed, could will be spared. For the machines did the work of the world, even to the personal care of the aristocrats' pampered bodies. Only for direction and sorting and stopping was the brain and the hand of man required. Now that the inhabited portion of the terrestrial globe was so straightly circumscribed, radio, power waves, television, and radiophone rendered feasible the control of all the machines from one central station built at the edge of the northern glacier here were brought the scant few of the prolats that had been spared a pitiful four hundred men and women and they were set to endless thankless task i was one of the few and cast my friend who was set at the head of the force i was second in command for a decade we labored whipped our fellows to their task that the aristos might lull careless in the perfume and silks of their pleasure palace or riot in white revel to sing at last in sudden stupor. sparled thus, they would lie until the dressing-machines we guided would lift them gently from their damask couch bat them with warm and fragrant waters clothe their soft carcasses in their phones iridescent webs, and start them on the new day of debauchery but the slow vengeance of an inscrutable omnipotence they mockingly denied overtook them at last and i saw the rendering and payment of the long past due account as i entered the fast doom hall wherein all my waking hours were spent the shrill whistle of an alarm signal told me that something had been wrong instinctively i looked toward the post of abut Three times in the past week had Keston or I been called upon for swift action to write some errors of that dull witted prolat. On the oval visor screen above the banquet buttons of his station, as of the impending catastrophe, two great freight planes, one bearing the glowing red star that told of its cargo of highly explosive thermite, were approaching head on with lightning rapidity. The fool had them on the same level abut was gaping now at the screen in paralyzed fright with no idea of how to avoid the cataclysm just below i glimpsed the soaring towers of antarca in a moment that gold and crystal pleasure city would be blasted to extinction with all its sleeping thousands of course swift would be the vengeance of the aristus already i could see abut and keston and a hundred others melting in the fierce rays of the death bath but even as my face blanched with the swift and terrible vision the little control-score grunted a smoking stop at a boot's back with one motion Kazan's light form leaped from his seat and thrust aside the gaping bullet. his long white fingers darted deftly over the gleaming buttons the red stirred plain banging in sudden swerve the other deep beneath Distinct from the speaker beneath the screen came the woosh of the riven air as the flyers flashed fast, save by a margin of scant feet. Another rippling play of the prolet ed fingers, and the planes were back on their proper courses. The whistle ceased its pressing alarm, left a throbbing stillness. Steve Keston turned to the brute-faced culprit, cold contempt out in the thin, ascetic feathers of his face. Somehow I was at his side i must have been running across the wide floor of the control station while this crisis had flared and passed in measured tones each word of a cutting whip last came his well-merited rebuke don't try me too far abbot long before this i should have relieved you of your pause and ordered you to the death bath i am derelict in my duty that i do not do so by my weak leniency i imperil the relief of your comrades and my own it is your good fortune that a consul delegate has not been present at one of your exhibitions but i dare not risk more let the warning whistle come from your station just once again i, I shall report you as an incompetent ye you know the law I looked to see the man cring in abasement and contrition, but the heavy jaw thrust forth in truculent defiance had blazed forth from the deep set eyes, the florid features were empurpled with rage. He made as if to reply, but turned away from the withering scorn in castened face. "Ha, Maron, here at last!" a warm smile greeted me. "I've been waiting for you impatiently. I am an hour before my time. I replied, then continued exasperately, if I hope this latter's imbecility will convince you that you ought to turn him in. I know it hurts you to condemn a prolet to death bath, but if you let him go on, his mistakes will bring us all to that end. I glanced toward where a black portal broke the circle of switchboards and shuddered. Behind that grim gate leaped and flared eternally the flame of the consuming ray the exhaust flue of the solar energy by which the machines were fed once i had seen a condemned man step through that aperture at the order of an aristo whom he had offended for a moment his tortured body had glowed with a terrible golden light then there was nothing my friend pressed my arms calmingly. again he smiled come come meron don't get all worked up it isn't his fault why Look at him. Can't you see that he is a throwback, lost in this world of science and machines? Besides, his voice dropped low. It doesn't matter anymore. Man failure will no longer trouble the even tenor of the machines. I've finished. A tremor of excitement seized me. You've completed it at last? And it works? It works. I test it. When the sieve changed at midnight, kept the oncoming forest outside for 5 minutes, it works like a charm. Great! When will you tell the consul? I've already sent a message off, you know how hard it is to get them away from their wines and their women. But they'll be here soon. But before they come, I've have something to tell you. Let's go back behind the screens. As we walked toward the huge torpaulin screen moss that bulked in the center of the great chamber, I glanced around the hall at the thousand-foot circle of seated prolats Two hundred men and women were there. Two hundred more were sleeping in the dormitories. These were all that were left of the world's workers. Before each operative rose the series hundreds of pure buttons, dimly clicking in and out under the busy finger. Above each an oval visor screen with its fleeting image brought across space the area the switches controlled. Every one of the ten score was watching his screen with taut attention and listening to the voices of the machines there depicted, the metallic voices from the radio speakers broadcasting their needs. The work was going on as it had gone on for ten years, with the omnipresent threat of the death-bath whipping flag tired brains to dreary energy. The work kept going on till they dropped worn out at last in their tired seats. Only in cast and brain and in mind flamed a new hope of release. Tomorrow the work would be done, forever. Tomorrow we would be released, to take our places in the pleasure palace, to loll at ease breathing the sweet perfume of idleness waited on by machines, directed by a machine for as we stood behind the heavy canvas folds that keston had drawn aside there toward fifty feet above me halfway to the arching roof and a machine that was the ultimate flowering of man's genius almost man it was two tall metal cylinders supporting a larger that soared aloft till far above it was topped by a many faceted bowl of transparent quartz again i had a fleeting but vivid impression of something baleful threatening about it small wonder though for the larger cylinder the trunk of the man machine's keston had created was covered thick with dangling arms and the light of the sand tube that floated the screened space was reflected from the great glass head till it seemed that the thing was alive that it was watching me till some unguarded woman would give it its chance a long moment we stood going again over each detail of the thing grown so familiar through long handling as it was slowly assembled then my friend's voice low pitch as was its one dissipated the vision i was seeing two hours ago mirran with none here but me to see those arms were extended it to its appointed station and. As the sensitive cells in the head received the signals from the visor screen and the radio speakers, the arms sought about the keyboards and pressed the proper buttons, just as our men are doing now. The work of the world went on without a falter, with only the master machines to drag it. Yet a year ago, when I first spoke to you of the idea, you told me it was impossible. You have won, I responded. You have taken the last step in the turning over the function of man to machines. The last step but one. Routine control. It is true, cannot be exercised by this. Those fellows out there are no longer necessary, but there will still be unexpected unforeseen emergencies that will require human intelligence to meet and cope with them. You and I, I'm afraid, are still doomed to remain here and serve the machines. Keston shook his head, while a little smile played over his sharp feathered face, and a glow of pride and triumph suffused his fine dark eyes. Grumbling again, old Sharper, what would you say if I told you that I have solved even that problem? I have given my master machine's intelligence. My wide-eyed, questioning stare must have conveyed my thought to him, for he laughed shortly and said, <laughs> No, I've not gone insane. It was an accident. He went on with amazing calm. My first idea was merely to build something that would reduce the necessary supervisory force to one or two humans. But when I had almost completed my second experimental model, I found that I was out of the copper filaments necessary to wind a certain coil. I did not want to wait till I could obtain more from the stores, and remember that on the inside of the door of the death bath was some fine screening that could be dispensed with. I used the wire from that. Whether the secret of life as well as of death lies in those west rise from the sun, or whether some unknown elements of the human consumed in the flame was deposited on the screening in a sort of visible coating, I do not know, but this I do know. When that second model was finished and the vitalizing current was turned on, things happened. cure things that could be explained only on the ground that the machines had intelligence. He fell silent a moment, then his thin pale lips twitched a wry smile. You know, Merrin, I was a little scared. The thing I had created seemed possessed of a violent antagonism toward me look he bared an arm and held it out a livid wheel ran clear round the forearm one of the tentacles I had given it whip around my arms like a flash if i had not caught off the current at once it might have squeezed through flesh and bone the pressure was terrific i was about to speak when from the screen nearest the entrance door a beam of green light darted out venice came again once twice three times look chief the signal they're coming the council will soon be here they're over prompt my message may have aroused their curiosity but listened. i incorporated my neotard coil as i called it in the large master machine but i don't know just what will happen when the current flows through that so i sensed it the machines will work routinely without it there is a button that will bring it into action well i shall have taken the proper precaution i will switch it on and then we shall see what happens we saw sooner than keston expected again the green beam flashed out the great portal slowly opened through them glided the three travels course of the supreme council of the aristos it had been almost a year since i saw them the overlords of the world and I had forgotten their appearance, sprawled of the glowing seals of their cushions, coach, eyes closed in language boredom, they were like a huge white slugs. Swollen to tremendous size by the indolent luxuriousness of their lives, the flesh that was not concealed by the bright-hued web of their robes was pasty white, and bags and fold were the shrunken muscles beneath refused support. Great poach dropped beneath swollen eyelids, full-lipped sensual mouths and pendulous cheeks merged into that great fat rolls of their chins i shuddered these, these were the master for whom we slaved as we bent low the gliding-cars came to rest and a warm redolence of sweet perfume came to me from the fan softly whirling in the canopies of the arisa's hats. Trends of music rose and fell and ceased as a flat, tired voice breathed, "Rise, prolats." I strained up. The eyes of the consul were now opened—little pig's eyes, almost lost in the flash about them. They glinted with a cold, inhuman cruelty. I shuddered and thought of the night of terror ten years before, and suddenly I was afraid, deathly afraid. Latnum Atuna head of the council spoke again we have come with your petition what is this matter so grave that it has led you to disturb us at our pleasures your excellency i would not have presumed to intrude upon you for a small matter i have so greatly ventured because i have at length solved the final step in the mechanization of the world i have invented a master machine to operate the switchboard in this hole and replace the workers thereat the flabby faces of the aristos betrayed not the slightest interest not the least surprise only athena spoke interesting if true can you prove your statement casson strode to the canvas screen and pulled a cord the great canvas curtains rolled back here is the missions, my lord. His face was lit with the glow of pride of achievement. His voice had lost its reverence, rapidly he continued. The head of this contrivance is a bank of photo and sonoelectric cells, its facet focuses on one of the screens through a nerve system of copper filaments, and the combination of lights and sounds will actuate the proper arm, which will shoot out uh, the required bank of buttons and press the ones necessary to meet any particular demand. That is all the prolets are doing out there, and they make mistake While my master machines cannot, the but let them, Atuna raised a languid hand. Spare us this technical explanation. They bore us. All we desire to know is that the machine will do as you say. The chief flushed and gulped. His triumph was not meeting with the acclaim he had expected, but he bowed. Very well, with your gracious permission, I shall demonstrate its operation. Atuna nodded in acquiescence caisson's voice rang out in creep's command attention prolats cease working the long circling glow suddenly jerked around their flying fingers halted their eternal dartings. quickly down to the space in the front of the door to the death bath a rush of hurried feet these men and women were accustomed to instant unquestioning obedience absolute silence keep clear of the floor on peril of your lives the sieve wheeled to the master machines and pressed a button instantly the hundreds of jangling arms telescope out each to a button bang where right a moment before a prolet had labored and with a weird simulation of life the ten fork end of each arm commenced a rattling pressings of the buttons rapidly purposefully the metallic fingers moved over the keyboards and on the screen we could see that the machines all over the world were continuing on their even course not the slightest change in their working betrayed the fact that they were now being directed by a machine instead of human beings a great source of admiration swept me at the marvellous accomplishment of my friend not so the arithers expressionless they watched as the maze of stretching tentacles vibrate through the crowded air yet not quite expressionless i thought i could sense in the covert glance they cast at one another a crafty winning of the implication of these machines a question asked and answered a decision made then their spokesman turned languidly to the waiting triumphant figure of castan Evidently, your claims are proven. This means that the force of prolats operative are no longer necessary. Yes, Your Excellency, they may now be released to a well-earned reward. The aristo ignored the interruption. We take it that only two will now be required to operate this control station to supply the less modicum of human intelligence required to meet unforeseen emergencies. I saw that Keston was about to interrupt once more to tell the Council of the taut Coil the most unbelievable part of the miracle he had wrought, but something seemed to warn me that he should not speak. Standing behind him, I nudged him while myself replied, Yes, your Excellency. The chief flung me a startled look, but did not correct me. From the packed croft of prolats at the other end of the hall, I could hear a murmuring while i could not make out the word the very tone told me that in the hearts of those very slaves new hope was rising the same hope that glowed in keston's face but i was oppressed by an unreasoning fear atuna was still talking in his cold unemotional monotone this being so here now our decision keston and meron you will remain here to meet all emergencies you others your function is done. you have done your work well. You are now no longer needed to control the machines, therefore he paused, and my heart almost stopped. Therefore, being no longer of value, you will be disposed of. A click sounded loud through the stunned silence beyond the white crowd. The huge black portal slid slowly open a simmering radiance of glowing vapours blazed from the space beyond Prolets, file singly into the death bath atuna raised his voice only slightly with the command i glanced at keston he was livid with fury incredible as it may seem so ingrained with the habit of obedience to the erasus and the prolets that not even a murmur to protest came from the condemned beings the nearest man to the flaming death stepped out into the void his doomed body flared then vanished the next moved to his turn but suddenly a great shout rang out stop it was keston's voice but so changed so pegged with fury and outrage that i scarcely recognized it his spare tall form was drawn tensely straight as he shook a clenched fist at the consul. He was quivering with anger, and his eyes blazed. Aristos, you do wrong! These men have served you faithfully and well. I demand for them the reward they have earned, rest and leisure, and the pleasure that for ten years they have seen you enjoy while they work here for you. They have worked for you, I say, and now that I have released them, you will destroy them. Aristus. I demand justice. For the first time I saw expression on the flaccid faces of this council surprise and astonishment that a prolet should dare dispute command, then a darser command than a sneer twisted athenas countenance. What is this? Who are you to demand anything from us? We spare these proletes because we need them. We need them no longer, hence they must die. What madness has seized you? Reward justice for prolats as well say we should reward the stone walls of our houses dispense justice to the machines proceed prolats keston met as if to spring for the Aristo throat i put out a hand to stop him an invisible shield of death rays rimmed the platform the council used it was suicide but suddenly he turned and sprang to the master machines he grabs a switch lever and threw it down. A long tentacle left its keys and switched menacingly through the air. Meron, prolets under the keyboard, came Keston's shout. I dived to obey. Steel fingers clutched my jerkin and tore it loose as I landed with a thud against the wall. Keston thumped alongside of me. He was breathing heavily and his face was deadly pale. Look! he gasped. End of section fourteen.